Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Peak to Pit. I'm Allie Peak alongside TJ Pittinger, and this is the second week in a row of us actually showing up to do this podcast after our five-month hiatus. So we're doing it. We're sticking to the schedule we talked about, TJ. I feel good. I'm super proud of us. Um, showing up is is half the battle. So for us, it's all the battle. So that's it's uh, literally all the battle. Two, two out of two. What happened before doesn't matter. Um, I feel great. Well, and you know, we actually have some stuff going on in the in the sports world right now. So there's a lot to dive into, which is kind of exciting because I feel like we've been living in Groundhog's Day. So it's nice to have like new topics. Things are moving. There's controversies. It's, it's good to be back, baby. Yeah, there's stuff to complain about. There's a little My bit favorite. that we like. There's stuff to argue about. Um, My real it's, favorite. It's just the perfect setup. Like... Life as we know it is back. Never mind the fact that we're like bringing babies in the world and all that. Like that doesn't matter. Right. We have stuff to argue about and stuff to complain about. So it's perfect. What everyone wants to hear. Exactly. We are. We're back. Well, let's dive in first to uh, college football, of course, because there's lots of moving and shaking going on there um, about whether or not we're going to have a season, about what the season's going to look like if it does happen. We talked pretty extensively about the, um, you know, some of the concepts put out last week, but I think that was before the SEC said what their plan was for sure. It was before Connecticut told us that they're not having a season. It was before this United We Stand petition went out. So there's a lot of stuff to catch up on from just last week. Yeah. So what are your, so we talked last week and I feel like we both were fairly confident that the season would start or happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I was less confident that it finishes. Um, but I, you know, not like a ton. I'm not like, Oh, a hundred percent it starts and 20% it finishes. Like, I just right. think that there's a, a decent chance, maybe, I don't know, percentages are so dumb, but I'm kind of a math nerd. So maybe 25% chance the season doesn't finish is, is kind of my gut right now. Sure. Um, so still really good odds it does. But I mean, you know, that 25% just kind of accounts for Well, the and those odds are based on it actually starting as well. Sure, yeah. Um, so 
you know, but how do you feel? Has anything changed? What, what are your thoughts um, with, I mean, we can start with the COVID, like just kind of in general, the pandemic, anything changed? So Where are you? Today, Connecticut came out and said that they will, UConn said that they will not um, play a college football season this year. Um, I saw people, you know, freaking out about it, thinking it's basically the first domino to fall. And, and UConn put out a press release essentially saying that they spoke with doctors and this is what was in the best interest of their student athletes. I'm not saying that that wasn't a factor. I'm sure that that was a factor, but I think the fact that UConn's not on a conference this year and therefore really doesn't have any teams left to play on their schedule also played a role in that. I've seen people say, well, they could have hurried up and joined a conference like Notre Dame did, but let's not pretend UConn has the same value that Notre Dame does in terms of joining. And it's not like there's lots of conferences out there that are like, oh, hey, anybody want to join us this year? Come on. Um, yeah. And, and they don't so have any, and, and they don't have any fan supporter interest, right? Like right. The, right. the, 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 the teams in the power five conferences. Yeah. It's going to hurt Florida state. It's going to hurt Florida. It's going to hurt all these schools. It's going to hurt Notre Dame if they don't play in front of fans, but at least the, these teams are going to get the conference money, right? Like the SEC right. sitting the, the bet, like with their TV deals and their networks and stuff like that. The ACC just signed in the ACC networks, big, the big 10 network, like every major conference has that. And so Notre Dame already had NBC, but can now tie in with the ACC too. Obviously I don't know how the money on that works, well, but I mean, who is fighting for brand too. Yeah. You know? And nobody's That's fighting for UConn. Like nobody cares if, and so they would probably, they I'm sure that the doctors and the medical experts, I'm sure that all mattered. It came down to they weren't going to make any money. Like they were going to lose money by having the season. And so why, why have it? You know, UConn canceling the season isn't, you know. Well, and looking at at Utah's schedule, I mean, there's, uh, it just, aside from making money, I don't know who they were going to play. Um, Like legitimately, like how they would field a season enough, like they would open against Massachusetts. So in theory that could happen, but then they're supposed to play at Virginia. That won't happen. Then they'll, well, they, could they, would be have, the, they could be the ACC's entire plus one. <laughs> Just well, get I absolutely mean, demolished every week. <laughs> every week. I mean, it's possible, but I mean, they just, they have North Carolina on that schedule. They have, they just, there's just not, um, it doesn't make sense from a logistical standpoint, like how they could figure out how to field an entire season. So I really do think, I don't think that this is as big of a domino falling as maybe some people do. I think that this was kind of more like an inevitable situation. Yeah. And it probably won't be the last one. Like I kind of wonder about, um, I kind of wonder about Liberty, right? Does, mm-hmm. does Liberty, you know, they, they, you're the only person on this earth that wonders about Liberty. By hey, the way. Liberty had a better record in season than Florida state did. I so don't they know what that's saying, went, but not a whole lot. Went to a bowl game in Orlando, won their bowl game. I mean, seven and six. So, I mean, yeah. Like what, what happens with all these smaller independent school. Right. right? So, this is really going to be a huge difference between the haves and the have nots. Like even the smaller conferences, like take the American, for example, the American thrives on those couple of out of conference games a year that they can schedule against big opponents to help put their name on the map because you can run the table in the American and it doesn't really 
make a blip on the radar to anybody in the power five. Now you run the table in the American and then you go and you beat North Carolina and Georgia tech. And I mean, not that those are huge schools, but they're power five schools that like, okay, maybe I'll pay attention or like UCF playing Stanford last year. That is something that gets people's attention. They beat a power five a decent program. Um, they're not going to be those opportunities. So you're, it's, even though it doesn't preclude the, the American and conferences like it from the playoffs by rule, it essentially has just eliminated everyone that's not on a power five from even having a shot at a, a new year's day bowl. Right. I mean, I would think that one of the Power Fives will get in a New Year's Day Bowl like they have in the past. Like, I think they always kind of a hold A group that. of five? A group of five, yeah. We'll get into a Power Five. We'll get into a New well, Year's Day Bowl. Well, in theory, isn't, isn't there a rule? Right. The rule is essentially that, like, you have to be ranked above a certain point to have an automatic. But my point is, essentially, can you even get ranked that high if you don't have a single power five opponent on your schedule. And if these conferences that are allowing an out of conference game, but they're allowing one, are you choosing your out of conference, your one out of conference game to be against a group of five more than likely? Say, no. And, yeah. I mean, I want to say that the reputation of teams like Boise state, UCF, um, Cincinnati and Memphis choose a UCF over Samford. Cause I'm pretty sure I saw Florida state's one out of conference this year will be Samford because Florida's not allowed to play it. They should, but I don't uh, think Florida state should, I think they should keep the Samford and I'll, I'll, I'll speak on why they should keep the Samford. They have right now or right. Like, it's any, anything positive that Florida state can get, even if it's a win yeah. over Samford that looks competent is a good thing for the program. A loss yeah. to UCF is not a good thing for the program. So I mean, that's my take there. For college football. That would be a fun game for college football. Well, it wouldn't be fun for this college football fan. So I'm, <laughs> I'm good with that. Um, but I think it seems like teams with a reputation of being a top 25 team or last several years, Cincinnati, Memphis, UCF, Boise State, will start around that ranking of um, of 20 to 25 like they normally do UCF will probably start around top 15 and if they win out against their schedule which one of those teams will you know Memphis Cincinnati you know somebody Boise State's not you know maybe loses one conference game one of them will will finish ranked you know high enough unless they all kind of in a bone six and six I mean so I think there will be one group of five school that still goes. I mean, I don't think that any of them finish unranked because they only have to beat their conference team. So if they start out in the top 25, they, they don't have any major pitfalls yeah, or I hurdles, mean, you know, that they have to I overcome. We just They just have to hope they start out in the top 25 because it is going to be very difficult to break into it without a marquee game to show for it. Yeah, and I think, like I said, those schools will. You know, UCF. Memphis. I'm trying to think I mean, of more. Cincinnati, or Boise two. State. There's not going to be more than that, though, in the in the top 25 to start out. I could see two, maybe three, but then you know, some of them will start. I mean, they'll all be like top 30, right? If if since 30, 40, somewhere in there, like Cincinnati starts out unranked, but then beats both a ranked Memphis and UCF. I mean, then they'll jump into the top 20. They'll be that team. You know, yeah. basically, whoever wins the American or an undefeated Boise State will be the team that, that I think goes, just based on reputation. The same way that, you know, when Alabama, if Alabama goes, well, what is it, 10-0 and and then wins the conference, uh, the same rate, they're going to give them number one over, you know, Clemson going 11-0 and or Ohio State going 11-0. and Like, the conference reputation is going to mean something, and the AAC, like winning the AAC, AAC undefeated, 
means something too, much less, but it means you get to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Right. In my right. opinion. I mean, we'll see. Um, I mean, if you win it at, you know, seven and three, though, I mean, they're not putting you in, you know, so I think that's kind of. So I'm looking at ESPN's top 25 preseason. They've got App State at 24. Nice. um, Boise State at 19. Cincinnati at 17. um, And that's it. That's what you're looking at. UCF's not in it? No. Wow. So yeah, so three, uh, that three, I mean, we kind of guessed two, but I completely forgot about App State. Uh, you know, App, App State's like a team that if they win all their games, maybe they'll fit, you know, stay inside that top 25. I mean, sure they will, you know, if you kind of start out up there. Um, obviously the ESPN prediction isn't really what will come out, but if App State goes undefeated, I mean, they'll stay top 25, but I don't think they could go undefeated and, and get into the New Year's Six category. Like, don't you have to be like top 15-ish, yeah. top yeah, 16. I think you have to be in the top in the top fourteen. I thought was what it is. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. But you, yeah, there has to be. Which makes sense because there are fourteen New Year's Six plus um, playoff teams, right? So, because yeah. um, there's what five New Year's Six Bowl? No, four is New Year's, is eight, New Year's Six. Eight. Yeah, there, are, so there's the, twelve. Are you kidding? The New Year's Six? There's six. Oh, three other games. Yeah, but I'm thinking plus the playoffs. So there's ten. Totally okay. Teams. Okay. Okay. I was like, TJ, we call this the New Year's Six no, for a reason. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was thinking like New Year's Six plus because obviously your top four you teams are my face. There. Oh my God. <laughs> the disappointment. Yeah, math guy. Strong. Got you. Um, yeah. I didn't say I was good at it. I so said I liked it. Um, so. Yeah, I don't think the UConn, I mean, going back full circle, I don't think the also, UConn keep thing in mind is that big I mean, if, if, Not me neither. Yeah, so if more teams start to drop, it'll be something. I, I We talked about this last week, you know, and I don't even know, I can't remember what we said, but I think there have been more opt-outs than I was expecting. Um, we talked about this you know, at my house, but we had talked about how we thought there would be, you know, 10 or so or whatever. There have been a few more than I was expecting. Um, but I, I also think I'm going to say this in a way that's not going to insult a bunch of people. Um, no, no insult them. I like it. I think that some of this is players wanting fans to beg them to stay in those of them that are debating this over social media. Um, if they're not uh, like, I don't, I don't know. It bothers me when a player tweets out considering my options for this season with the emoji that's like scratching their head or whatever else, whatever you decide as a player, I respect your decision completely. This is something that you need to be discussing with your parents with your coach, with your doctors. This is not something you need to be discussing with your fan base on social media. And I do think that there's some attention grabbing going on in that. There's been a lot of players that have said things like that. They haven't chosen to opt out, but they've put out little cryptic tweets or Facebook messages or whatever else saying like, I don't know if it's worth my health or I don't know if it's this or that. Uh, This doesn't need to be debated on social media. You need yeah, to make I'm, your decision. You need to tell your coach, and that's what you need, and and you need to stand by it. Well, I, I mean, I'm in complete agreement with that. But I mean, in this day and age of social media, and you know, these recruits wanting attention and stuff like that, like I just don't think it's obviously very shocking. And 
I mean, this is just no, the new world annoying. we live in. Like, it's just definitely annoying, but it's just never going. I, I don't think it's ever going to change. You know, it's just what, yeah. it's just what kids do now. It's why they put out top twenty lists. Like they really. I mean, I can't even name I twenty know. meals oh that Karen and I eat on a yearly basis. Like, let alone twenty schools that I'm interested in. You know, so like, I, and you can't I just want really fans from every. School. You're not. No, I can't even. If you told, I mean. <laughs> If I had Are enough there time, twenty programs that you would consider to be on the same level because there's not, in my opinion. I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, if I was told right now to set up twenty official visits, like I could do it. But I mean, I do would it based be on a, college towns I want to visit. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, you can't tell me having Syracuse in your top twenty and Alabama in your top twenty. Right, if you've got the opportunity you know. to play at Alabama, why are you even taking an official visit to Syracuse? No offense right. to Syracuse, sure. but like, give me a break. So you know, there, it's just so dumb. So anyway, yeah, it's certainly I, annoying. It'll be interesting to see what the final numbers actually are when the season starts, because I think there's a lot of chatter going on that I don't know. If well, still if you, going on. I mean, if you think about it like this, I mean, I actually, um, Silk just put a DM in that Will, Will Muschamps has two offensive linemen have opted out for the 2020 season, Mark oh. Fox and Jordan Rhodes. I, I don't obviously know anything I about I was actually their... just about to say, linemen are the people, aside from the people who can't improve their do- draft stock, but could, you know, not even just hurt it, but, you know, you come down with something and, and, and whatever it could damage your health. If you're not improving your draft stock, there's not a point in playing this season. Most guys that play are either improving their draft stock or just creating draft stock to begin with, which is why most will play. But outside of guys who can't improve their draft stock, linemen are who you would think are the most at risk because an underlying condition is obesity. And while these guys are in great shape, a 320 pound guy is considered obese, no matter how good a shape he's in. They also have the most contact with sure. uh, other people, right? A quarterback contact, ideally, sure. you know, isn't being contacted ever. Done. Right. right. Correct. You know, but so, yeah, I mean, very, very good point there. And then, uh, so yeah, I'm kind of in agreement there, but if you think about it, if you're not, if you're not a first or second round draft pick, Right. And because if you're a second round draft pick, I mean, there will be some guys that move up into the second rounders, second round or first round from there, but, but not a ton, right? Like there's only 32 picks. And so, and and, and 20 of them are already locked in. Huge of a difference money wise now with the way that the new CBAs are drawn up and everything. So if you're not a first or second rounder, or if you don't have underlying health conditions, you're probably not opting out. I mean, obviously some people still will, but I mean, think about like, that's what 64 people, 65, just call it 70. You know, if you said there's 70 people and there, you know, there's 120 teams, 119, you know, maybe 119 with 110 without. guys on each team, 85. Correct. So you're, so you're probably looking at an average of one to two per team. Now, some teams yeah. are going to have more and some teams are going to have none. Like that's just how it's going to, but what I'm interested in is you just said, like, if you're, I'm interested for when Trevor Lawrence comes out and says he's not, and not him specifically, but a name like that. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, um, somebody just just absolutely massive, somebody that's in the Heisman talk and says, look, I'm, this is exciting. 
But my name is Trevor Lawrence. I already won a title, and I just want to go first next year and and get all that accolades and money and stuff. So I, I'm out. You know, and again, I not mean, necessarily him specifically, but like. Of- the game may suffer some, but I honestly think that college football is a situation where next man up, people are going to watch anyway. It's going to be exciting anyway. In some cases, it may level the playing field, you know, if some of these top guys don't play. Um, so I don't, I don't know that I think it damages the brand that much for it to be for one year. Which yeah, I mean, obviously, I would hate it if any of those guys go sure, that, that we just mentioned, but. Um, I guess my question would be, what does what impact does it have on other guys potentially opting out, right? Like if Trevor Lawrence opts out, I mean, obviously he's doing it because of his draft stock, but does it make other people kind of second guess, you know? And, and so I think a big, big domino like that would cause more people to do it just like Say Notre Dame said, I'm going to opt out of football right now. Then other big colleges would, you know, it'd kind of be like that straw that broke the camel's back type thing. But do you think that there's that possibility? Um, So let's say uh, Trevor Lawrence opts out. Who's the next best team in your mind in the ACC? Like last year it was technically Virginia. Clemson with their backup. Um, okay. Yes. I'm not kidding. But, but my, so but my point is essentially like, let's say the King of a particular conference has their starting quarterback step down. I, in my mind, that team that's sitting at number two or number three, it makes their quarterback less likely to opt out because they see some opportunity there that they didn't before. I mean, and possibly it, it doesn't competitive in their conference in the conference. Yeah. But not overall, I wouldn't think like, you know, Virginia, do, Clemson, Virginia doesn't have a, Virginia doesn't have a yeah, but the better chance of beating Alabama where there's one team and then everybody else is garbage. Well, kind of the right? same, not, same idea, same idea with any conference. Like if, if, no, if not, Alabama, SEC, if Alabama's not, you still have LSU who won the national title last year. You still have Georgia, you have Auburn, you have Florida. There is no way you can compare that to the ACC. Like maybe you can. So uh, if, if Alabama went down today, right. Mm-hmm. Florida's chances of beating Clemson and Ohio State don't get better. They just have a chance to get there now well, because they Alabama's have a out. Now their chance does get better because they didn't have a chance before. There's no chance in hell that this team thinks like, "Oh, awesome! I have a chance in the playoff, but I'm never going to win one." These people are way too competitive to think like that. Oh, I'm not they saying think, that they think that. They I'm just telling you. I, I'm not saying that Florida players think that. I'm just telling you, they don't have a chance to beat them. You know, and I mean, you I may disagree that. there, but I, I certainly, but like, yeah, like I don't, you know, so that's my thought is it may make them more competitive in the conference, but you know, if Ohio state goes down and then, you know, Michigan's now your favorite to, to win that conference, they're not going to be more competitive against Alabama. So yeah, it may give a Michigan player a better chance to win the big 10, yeah. but they're not going to be better in the national landscape. Because if if you're talking about if there's one team coming out of let's use the SEC again, I think that LSU, Georgia, Florida, Auburn, and Alabama all have pretty decent, sim- decently similar chances against a team like Clemson, Ohio State, and Oregon, like whoever you want to put in there as that other team. They they have much better overall chances than maybe Virginia does if they take Clemson's spot or, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, yeah, the I mean, Florida, yeah, all those teams, all those teams you mentioned are better than, you know, Virginia for sure. I mean, that, that's Michigan not even a question. Or, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I they're know. all better I than just, Michigan. I, I don't think that, but I don't think that. I think it's going to have effects both ways, essentially, is where I'm I'm getting at. I think I can see where you're right, where it's saying like, oh, well, he's not playing, so I'm not going to play. But I also think there's a chance where people see it as a door opening. Um, but honestly, players opting out completely aside, I think this United We Stand thing is far more likely to bring college football down this season than COVID-19 is. So talk about um, that a little bit. Yeah, let, I mean. There. I don't know if you like what you have seen about it. I'm sure you guys probably already discussed it on the big three roll up, but um, essentially it's a list of demands put together by about a hundred pack 12 players. So if you're doing the math on this, they haven't said the names of the players that have signed this um, interestingly. So we really don't know. Are these starters? Are they reserves? Are they walk-ons? Like we don't know, but if it's 12 teams, we're talking about an average of about eight guys per per team, right, that have signed this, that are essentially saying they are not playing this season if these demands aren't met. And some of them are reasonable. Some of them are that they want more protection from COVID-19. Um, they want insurance after they're done playing because that that is currently not a, a thing for college football players. And honestly, if, if college football players are going to fight for anything, I think this is probably the most important. I know so many guys that as soon as their career was over had to have multiple surgeries that were not covered by the university, even though they're for injuries that happen while they played because their playing career is over. So, but they want some, they basically want some, some reassurances that like they get really sick and have some kind of lifelong complication from COVID-19 that they are getting that covered by their university. But then there's some things like they want coaches and administrators to take a 50% pay cut. They want, um, 50% revenue share, which I don't think that they understand the difference between revenue and profit as, as it relates to college football. But I mean, that's not even NFL players aren't getting 50% revenue share. Um, just, they, they said they, that all of this stuff disproportionately affects, um, black people. And so they want, um, you know, considerations there, um, which right, because all of these teams are made up of mainly black players. So I don't, I don't, I don't really know how you make it not disproportionately any of these things, good or bad, affect black players because the majority are black players. But um, just uh, here's the thing. They don't actually care about COVID-19 because if they did, their talking points would be solely about the health and safety of themselves and their teammates. And I think if that's the case, you could have a real conversation here and we could move forward. I think tying it with some of the things that they have tied it with is a mistake, one, Two shows what the actual motive is here. And I think that they see this window of opportunity. And I personally think that there's a huge discussion that could be had about compensating players or, or how to go about doing that and what's a fair way to go about doing that. I just don't think that the two issues should be intertwined. And I think that you they're going to fail on both issues because they're intertwined. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, like, so if, if, these conferences and the NCAA as a whole comes out and are basically like, yeah, no, we're not giving into your demands. If these hundred guys aren't going to play, if there's going to be more players in other conferences that also decide not to play, if these players don't play, are they big enough names that it matters? Um, I, but I just, uh, I, it, it's an interesting situation, but I think it's potentially more dangerous to the sport than COVID-19 is. Well, it just depends on what they're, um, how strong their resolve is, right? Like, are you going to 
Uh, if if the NCAA comes back and says, well, nope, it's not even they're not, not even one. saying it to the NCAA though. They're saying it to their conferences, which one is a mistake to begin with because the conferences are governed by the NCAA. So like, yes, university presidents can put pressure on heads of conference who can put pressure on the NCAA, but at the end of the day, the conferences can't unilaterally make these changes. So, and some of it has to do with federal get, law. So if they get told no, do they? just say, okay, great. We will, I mean, thanks for hearing us out or do they stop, you know, and, and where yeah, does it go? I, so I don't I, know. Well, and here's the thing. If they decide that it's worth not playing for, then what, I mean, what did they accomplish? I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that there is a lot of confusion on their part about how the business side of college football works. I think this is a really tricky situation for head coaches, though. I was discussing this with somebody earlier this week. So if you're a head coach and your players sign this, you don't, and you probably know which players it is, even if the public doesn't know which players it is, you pretty much don't really have a choice but to publicly support them for the most part, because we live in this culture where if you don't, you're canceled. So, I mean, I don't, I think it puts coaches in a bad position, but if I'm a coach, I call a team meeting. I don't tell them that I think that they are wrong, but I tell them and I tell them that I'll support their, their line of thinking, but that I think that they need to understand a little bit more about how the business works. And then maybe I encourage them to put together their own, plan as opposed to following along with this PAC 12 plan. Like for instance, revenue sharing. Okay. If college football, if each university split 50% of their revenue with their players, what that is essentially doing is getting rid of non-revenue sports. I doubt that is the intent of these college players, but that's the reality. For most college programs, football is the only sport that makes money for some college football pro or some, some university programs, college and basketball make money for less than 10 college basketball and baseball make money outside of that. Every other sport loses money, but also there's a federal law title nine that is trying to ensure fair treatment for men and women, which is, and the non-revenue and the revenue sports, Um, so that's something that they're fighting against. That's not something the NCAA has control over. That's literally federal law. Um, so I think maybe I help them cultivate something that's more realistic. Um, have you ever heard of the plan laundry money? I've not. Okay. So this was a thing maybe uh, 10 years ago, a little bit more than that. It was a thing. It was talked about a lot when I was in college, I wrote a few papers on it. And the theory behind Laundry money is you're not saying laundering money, you're saying no, laundry, not laundry, money. Money, laundering <laughs> money, laundry money, washing your clothing money. The concept is that players, athletes of all sports, would be paid minimum wage for the 20 hours a week that they are allowed to be practicing. Now, I know all you former athletes listening are now laughing at the idea that you only work 20 hours a week because obviously we know that's it's more than that, but that's what they call voluntary. And then your coach will tell you it's also voluntary to get playing time. Um, but so you get make minimum wage for those 20 hours a week. And it's essentially equal to having a part-time job, which we know most athletes don't have the time availability to, to be able to do that. Even if your program were to let you have a part-time job. So, and it's to basically ensure that, you know, you can take your girlfriend on a date 
or you can pay your phone bill or, you know, some of the things that a scholarship doesn't cover. Um, I think, and, and the reason it hasn't taken off the ground is because most universities can't afford it. Um, they could maybe afford it for football, but they couldn't afford it for all the sports and title nine would make you have to have it for all the sports. So if something like that were to go forward, you would have to petition the NCAA, um, to pay for it essentially, or the conferences at the very least to pay for it because the individual schools could not. TJ, give me a second. Hey girls, you need to go watch that somewhere else. Now, sorry, my kids just came and sat five feet from me and turned on an iPad. Um, 31, 35, fix. Go. You're fine. Go in the playroom. Um, Anyway, so it's an interesting uh, concept. It would give kids a little bit of walking around money. I think it's something that, like, if done the right way, could actually be feasible. So if I'm a coach, I can – I try and push my players towards something that could actually happen because, you know what, you're never getting 50% revenue share of college football. You're just not. It's, it, it will literally destroy every athletic program in the country and amateur sports. So it's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean that there's not something that could be done. So I, I, there's some fine balance in there somewhere where this coach doesn't discourage your, you know, your, your need for change, but also helps you make it more realistic, if that makes sense. Yeah. And kind of like you talked about with the very beginning, uh, in the very beginning of this is it's, it's really tough to win a battle by fighting another one, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an illogical fallacy. I took a debate class. Like you can't say, Hey, you're treating us poorly or, or we, we care about our health and wellness with COVID and then say, but we're also treated poorly on this side. So we're going to use the COVID to prop this up and sure. then get what we want on this other hand. And so it's separating, it sounds like a good idea. Like, Hey, we've got their attention. Now let's like sneak this in. So it's, it's literally, poor. you know, but it just doesn't work. Right. Like, I don't know how high they would want to take this up where you take it to, I mean, it would never get this high, but where you take it to some judges, the Supreme court or something like that, like it would never work because just any low level judge would just strike it down and say, no, it's unrelated. Like, yeah, it's hard because this is a choice. And as much as I, I am married to a college, a former college athlete, I'm the sister and the daughter and the granddaughter of former college athletes. I understand completely the time constraints. I understand completely the idea that these universities seemingly, at least in these athletes' minds, make million dollars, millions of dollars off of them and they get peanuts. I just think that you also have to understand what's done with the money and what value you're getting. I get it. Some of these athletes don't really value the opportunity for the degree, but let's say let's say um, you play for Stanford, right? Their tuition is $51,000, their tuition a year, okay, is their, is their standard tuition. So by the time you play, if you play four years, you have a $200,000 degree. Let's, uh, that's not even if you get redshirted and you're there a fifth year. So if you're taking revenue share, first of all, now you're paying for your scholarship. So you're paying for that. These athletes get world-class insurance. I mean, the university covers anything. Like Eric had his wisdom teeth out when he was a player. It's covered by the university. Um, any any kind of anything. So you're now, there would be a bill for that. 
there would be a bill for your room and board and your meal plan and your equipment and your warmups and all of that kind of stuff. So I think for most programs, it, if you went to this, some kind of way where you profit was shared because profit can be shared, not the revenue, um, you might end up owing money at the end, as opposed to actually making money for a lot of these programs. Well, what's tough about it is it's hard. And and just because something's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. But the biggest reason this hasn't been done is because it's hard to, um, I mean, it's hard to map out a plan, right? And so why would you? And 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 a large part of the, it is the fact that the NCAA is greedy as well. They don't, I mean, not only do they, is it hard to do it? They don't want to do it. They, do you think Dabble Sweeney who gets up on his high horse and preaches about, you know, Oh, we do it for the love of the game. And it's, yeah. I mean, he's a crap, you know, and, and preaches about how they should do it for the love of the game. I mean, donate your salary chump, but part of it is the federal law. It's you, if you do it for Trevor Lawrence, you got to do it for the, for the softball well, player that the- loses the college money. And so that's the other part. And then even within the same team, does Trevor Lawrence sure. get the same thing that the walk-on fourth string center gets? No. So like, how no. do you distinguish that? Well, and that's where, and here's the thing that walk-on works every bit as hard as Trevor Lawrence. But and he doesn't make the money for the university that Trevor well, Lawrence does. And that's the no. tough part. Sure, sure. It is totally the tough part. But I also feel like if these guys understood that, they wouldn't want that for their teammates. Most of most of these players know how hard each and every guy on their team works, whether you are a star or whether you never see the game, the, the, the field on Saturday, but you work your ass off every single day in practice. And so I, I don't think they – I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know – See, it goes back to what we talked about earlier with the kids wanting attention. I don't know that they care. I think they're in it for me. I think they're in it for the attention, for the money. And I think. Look at the Pac 12. Can you name one guy who you'd pay for his image and likeness right now in the Pac 12? I can't, but I also live in Tampa, Florida. So I'm sure there's guys out in California and Oregon. Yeah, but there's guys in in California who could name guys in almost every other conference who they'd play for their image and likeness. So it's like not even. uh, I don't know. I just, I think that there are things that can be done. I am totally on board with the idea that these players work their tail off. And at the very least, they shouldn't have to choose between paying their electric bill and paying their phone bill. And I know for sure that's a real thing for a lot of, of these athletes. I I watched it. I, I lived it. Like, I, I mean, I helped Eric pay bills in college because his scholarship would never go far enough. That's not, and so I think, but I think there are things that can be done. I think that every single year cost of living in all of these college towns should be evaluated. It used to be that they did it like every five years. I don't know what it is right at this moment, but they need to make sure that the check that they're writing covers what it costs to live off campus. Because, and a lot of these, like at UF, all your athletes can't live on campus all four years. There's literally not enough dorms. So it's not like you can say, well, don't get an off-campus apartment, just live on campus and it'll be covered. It doesn't even work like that at most schools because there's not enough dorms for that to be possible. So make sure that your scholarship actually covers your rent, your utilities, uh, you know, your phone bill and make sure. And I mean, the dining halls only open certain hours. So we would know, I knew guys that would buy the 50 cent yesterday's bread from Jimmy John's because that's all they could afford when the dining hall wasn't open, um, at UF. So let's make sure that like 
they can actually buy groceries. And I'm okay then with them making, let's say, minimum wage for 20 hours a week or something that's equivalent to that, equivalent to having a part-time job that everybody else that is on campus has the opportunity to to do. But this idea that college football is going to pay you millions of dollars while you're in it is just not based in reality. And it's and part of that is because most programs don't actually make that much money. Right. So how, and that's the thing, how do you figure out the formula that, I mean, first of all, yeah, there's no good way. Nobody's proposed a good way to do it. First of all, the NCAA again, doesn't want it anyway. Um, And the, The universities don't want it to happen either, right? Like the universities, you know, I, I'm not saying the actual coach the and people pay for it. If no, they don't, and they don't want to lose the money. They're getting that money right now. Why would they dare want to give it share? I mean, I wouldn't pay it. You know, like there's a reason the CEO, there's a reason the CEO of a company doesn't pay the janitor half of his salary. Sure, sure. You know? but there's got to be a way for the NCAA to fund something. The problem, though is that they can't just do it for the revenue sports, at least not the way that the laws are currently set up. And good luck getting lawmakers to change that. So you have to figure out something creative to work within the rules. And and granted, very slowly, it has started to move in that direction. Like when my brother played, his scholarship check was a heck of a lot bigger than when Eric played. But they they only there was only one year in between Eric's career ending and my brother starting at Florida. So, I mean, progress was made during that time. When Eric got to UF, you couldn't have an athletic scholarship and Florida Bright Futures. That changed halfway through Eric being at school, although he still couldn't retroactively get his Bright Futures because there was stuff that had to be filled out when he was in high school. So it wasn't. But like things like that have, have evolved and and it's at a snail's pace. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be different, but I just, this isn't helpful to the sport. It's not helpful to protecting these athletes from COVID and, and it's not helpful to an actual realistic end game. So, and I'm sure that there are slimy agents everywhere who are getting in the ears of parents and saying, Hey, like pass this along to your kid. If they do this, this can happen and, and whatever else. But I don't know what the right answer is at all. I just know this ain't it. I am a big fan of the fact that in certain states, players can start to profit off their likeness because I think that's the most fair, right? I, again, there's never, with the law laws the way that they are, um, everyone, they couldn't afford to pay everyone equally or if they did, it'd be such a small amount, right? Like, because you, again, you have to pay the, Trevor Lawrence, the same thing you pay the the softball player that yeah. you know is last on the depth chart. Um, so you you could never do that. You also, again, how do you figure out what somebody is worth? You, you know, how do you say that Trevor Lawrence makes this and and this guy makes this and this guy makes this based on what their school makes and the money they make the school? Like, there's no good formula for that. And so letting players profit off of their likeness, I mean, seems to be the most fair because it's what's tough about it is in in most of the situations you're right like you know the or i mean you I mean not the, it's not a right or wrong thing but in most of the situations yeah like they are not what the benefit they're getting is more than necessarily maybe what they're making the college but obviously there are a lot of situations where certain kids are making the college way 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 more um you know than another one is and so letting them at least profit off of their likeness seems to be a, a again a, a step in the right direction f- to me 
because I don't know that there's a good answer on the college level, you know, on the, right. on the, right. what the college should do. I think that the NCAA and the colleges are wrong to just kind of keep all the money and hoard it all themselves. But sure. I don't know how to say like, oh, they should do this, you know? So yeah. it's kind of like the people that stand up and say like, oh, this is wrong in society and that's wrong. And it's okay. So what should we do to fix it? How do we fix this? I don't know. Yeah. We're just here to yell that it's wrong. So that's basically what I'm doing with the NCAA and the, and the colleges right. and, and Dabo Sweeney specifically. So anyway. So I just pulled up um, uh, revenue for, um, for, for colleges, for their athletic departments. So the number one revenue uh, athletic department in the country is Texas. So they brought in $223,879,781. Do you know what their total expenses for their athletic budget was last year? What it actually was or how close they tried well, to get to breaking even well, for tax purposes? It was $204. <laughs> million dollars. So we're talking about an, an excess of $19 million there uh, across, you know, all sports, obviously, but for, for football, it doesn't say what they did with it. I know a lot of universities like UF, their UAA and the university are two separate entities and the UAA pays money to the university every year, like gifts them. So money. that, so, I mean, to be fair, that $19 million, $19 million excess is probably because they want to get as close to zero sure. as, as possible. Well, so Alabama, so like, you, the number you try seven. to spend all the money that does come in. Right. And I, I mean, I get that, but so Alabama Stadium renovations and seven bonuses, they brought in $163 million last year, but they're, they spent, um, where did this just go? They spent $185 million. So right. Alabama at the number seven school in on this list is in the red for the year. And I get what again, you're saying. Again, taking, taking with a grain of salt because all of their executives and Saban and everybody are all getting paid very, very well. And you want to operate at zero. Sure. I mean, it's just, sure. you know, that's, and I, it's and I get balancing that. the budget. So interestingly, um, and it says in this list, like who gives what back to um, the university. Georgia was actually the, the, so it goes Texas, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Penn State, Alabama, Oklahoma, Florida, LSU are your top 10. Um, <laughs> interestingly, only the SEC schools gave money back to their universities. Um, no, I take that back. Nich Michigan gave them a hundred or $261,000, but like Georgia gave three and a half million back. Florida gave 3 million back. Um, Alabama gave 2,600,000 back to their university. Um, but my point is essentially these numbers seem large. They pay a lot of bills. There's not actually that, that much left. And if you want your program to be able to compete with the best, you want there to be some leftover because that's how you pay for things like renovations down the road. Um, yeah, more support so staff and all that. Is essentially is that like, there's just not that many programs that truly make money. Um, they're definitely not a whole lot of the Pac-12 programs that are making a whole lot of money. That's for sure. Um, but they, but they could. I mean, my thought is they, they certainly could make money. I mean, they, they spend it to get down to zero. So, do you know where a, sure. a Pac-12 team first appears on this list? Oh, probably forty. Twenty-three. Oh, Oregon probably Washington. does well. No, yeah. Washington. Washington before Oregon. Oregon is not. So Oregon just cooks the books really good. Um, Oregon. Well, I mean, is I think every, every team, every team on this list is is cooking the books. Sure, it's kind I of just, my point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. I there's not there's not an answer that we're going to arrive on here. I just think if you care about your health as a student athlete, you have every right to. You have every right to fight for what you think is fair for you in terms of if you think you need to be compensated more than you are. I just don't think linking the two is beneficial to either cause. I think it's detrimental to both. I think first attack COVID. That's where you are actually at risk. So if you are concerned about your health, you need to be a single issue, you know, program at this moment, a single issue organization, figure out what it is you need to do for your health. After that, if you want to, to enact radical change, go for it. It would behoove you if you actually want the change to happen, to come up with some realistic expectations, as opposed to thinking, that you're going to get 50% revenue share or your administrators across the board to take a 50% pay cut or some of these, these other demands. Yeah. What's tough about that is like you and I can't figure out an answer. And so like, obviously neither can these 17, 18, 19 year old kids. And so it just is kind of laughable that they'd say we deserve 50% because again, I just, yeah, I wouldn't just be so, so vocal about something I know I knew so little about. Even if you're totally passionate oh, about it. Oh, well, then it's 2020. You're way off right. then. Like, that's I what you're supposed to totally do. <laughs> the louder you scream, it's because the less you know. I just, yeah. I, I'm, I'm in such a weird position on this because I I am not one of those people that will say, your, your scholarship is your payment. You get everything you could need. You're getting a free education. Look at these normal students that are working their ass off to pay this because those normal students aren't making money for the university. I don't feel like that at all. I do feel like student athletes should be compensated even more than they are. I just don't think that they, I don't think they should make millions in school. I don't think there's a way to realistically make that happen anyway. I think that, that change needs to be gradual. It needs to be fair across the board, because even if you aren't making a million dollars to the university, you showing up and getting your ass kicked at practice every single day by that starter is what makes that university money. Um, I don't know if I, I mean, a shocker here. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, because I think, and maybe it's just like the pure capitalist Republican devil person that I am, but you know, the janitor make work just as hard as the CEO, but he doesn't make the same amount of money. Like I'm not in for the I think that it needs to be a, a, a scale of, of kind of this. And this is why it'll never work like this. It should be a sliding scale of kind of your value or your worth. And that's why they can't do it. You know, that's, that's why the way yeah, I'm proposing I mean, it just I wouldn't guess- work. But I, yeah, I'm, I think that that's, what's more fair. Like Trevor Lord shouldn't get paid the same thing that, you know, somebody else, I know we keep using his name, but you know, same idea. Well, part of it is probably because I'm the wife of a punter and the sister of a, a former <laughs> yeah, woman. Just, so yeah. I have if you were, on that. If but you were I, Kyle Trask's mom, you'd be like, yeah, man, the starting quarterback needs all the money. <laughs> I get Kyle Trask's mom doesn't have that opinion because Kyle Trask's mom until, you know, halfway through last year was the mom of a, of a kid that was on that team to help the starters run for get reps. So I think she probably, sure, but I'm sure Justin Fields is mom. I'm sure Justin Fields, but yeah, like, but, <laughs> so I mean, maybe that one specific, but yeah, um, I mean, but then, but then you can go from there, jump to the, well, volleyball players don't make the university money, but they work just as hard. And so like, I get it. It's interesting though. This is the, the so only we just don't area. Pay any, we just don't pay any of the female sports. We only pay the male sports. 
Oh my God. This is, uh, <laughs> this is really the only area in 2020 where anybody is advocating for capitalism though. When you said that, that really, that everywhere else, everybody is totally cool with cap with communism, but college sports, the only thing actually run as communism, people are not cool with. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's reverse say, um, you said Florida state might get Sanford. Oh, I talked about that. Anything positive, uh, any kind of win is, is, is a good one for, for Florida state. Um, there have been more NFL opt-outs than I expected. I don't, I'm not somebody that's going to bring like a list of names and actually do preparation or work for, for different things I'm involved with, but more NFL ops opt-outs than I expected. Um, and I think this ties hand in hand. We'll kind of lump all this together. Yeah. Um, we talked about how we were feeling about the college football season. The way I feel about the college football season is probably the way I feel about the NFL season. If one happens, the other one will too. They'll use each other as a model. Um, and I think they're both dependent on what happens with the MLB season, right? Yeah, if well, the MLB season gets good, if the MLB season gets canceled, the NFL and college are gonna go down a very similar path. Um, because they're going to have guys that test positive. They're going to have teams and games and things that get canceled. Um, if there are widespread outbreaks, you know, more than 50% of the Marlins team got the team. Well, if that happens to a football team, the game's getting canceled, you know? So, um, Did you see where Jeter said his guys were going out to get milk I and mean, that's how they got exposed. Like, could you not come up with a better line than that? You don't have to tell me they were in strip clubs getting lap dances, but like, could you tell me something more believable than they were getting milk? I mean, <laughs> like they uh, went out to dinner with their family who they hadn't seen in months because they happened to be in town. Like, okay, I'll buy that. Please don't tell me they were going to get milk and caught COVID-19. Just and own it. Caught, yeah. Like, just own exactly. it. You know, Listen, it's guys take it as seriously as they were supposed to. They've learned their lesson. We've, we've changed our policies. We've tightened things down moving forward. It's going to be different. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, they're debating whether or not the Marlins will get paid for the games they missed. Um, and so that's why he's probably caping for them, you know, like um, trying to stick up for them. But yeah, I agree. They shouldn't. They're, they're the ones that screwed it up. They should yeah. they should take their salaries and pay the Phillies guys that couldn't play their games against them. So, um, so but um, yeah, if the MLB season gets canceled, the college, I mean, I'm taking my college football and NFL, they may start, but I'm taking my finishing for them like down to like 15%. With the NFL guys opting out there, I think that makes a lot more sense to me than most guys opting out of college because, um, one, they're older. So let's talk about a lineman that is, you know, now 30 as opposed to 19. So you're already, so you're, you're a little bit higher risk because you're a little bit older. You are considered obese, but also you've made a bunch of money. So you can sit for a year and hopefully you work out for a year, you go back, your career continues. But even if it doesn't, you've still made a boatload of money and your health is more valuable to you in, in that scenario. And I'm not and saying you that it's valuable to the 19 year old, but your potential livelihood might be more valuable to you than the risk of getting sick. If you're the 19 year old offensive lineman hoping to have an NFL career. Yeah. And you get paid. I think you get 150,000 for opting out. It's obviously peanuts compared after taxes compared to your normal thing. Or most people are making for their year. Yeah. And so, and, and if you have preexisting conditions or, or underlying sure. health issues, it's like three fifty. So again, pretty small compared to what they normally make, but it's better than nothing. So yeah, I think that it does kind of make sense. 
especially people with young kids, you know, that, you know, these guys are all kind of in the prime of life and having families and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, why not? So yeah, but I, it's I, been I, more and more and more than I expected for sure. Well, and also you got to think some of these people may have high risk family members that they now support and even maybe live with them. They have now the financial means for that to happen. These college players who are living in their dorms, aren't having their grandmother live in their dorm. Now, maybe their grandmother lives at their house back home, but if they're still going to stay on campus and go to class and whatever else, that's not the risk, but say you're you know, an NFL star that has your, your parents live with you to help you take care of your kids. Cause you're on the road all the time and they stay and help your wife or whatever else. Like they could be at risk. I just think it makes more sense from the NFL standpoint because you're already getting something you've already been paid prior to this season in most aspects. Like most of these players aren't rookies that are opting out. They're guys that have been there for a while. Not that there aren't some rookies, but it's more mainly some of the older guys. I totally, I see it. It's a risk reward. All of these are. And even if the risk of COVID isn't massive, there's a risk there for these players. And that is, if you already have the money, then it's a no brainer. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, if, if the risk is there, then absolutely. If not, I mean, get out and play and if you're relatively healthy and have the access to the best doctors and health and medicine and money and finances and everything else in the world, you know, I just go, saw a go tweet play. NCAA says division two has canceled all sports championships, fall sports championships. Uh, COVID is one of the smartest viruses that, that, that we've ever seen. It knows which division um, you play in football. It knows which way you walk up and down the aisles at Publix, not at Target, but at Publix. Um, it knows which doors you walk in at, at target. Um, and it knows which football subdivision you play in division one, you're safe division two. We can't have fall like COVID knows what you're doing. Oh, it knows what conference you play in and how much you travel. Um, so, um, anyway, so, uh, MLB uh, total side finishes their season. Uh, you're not a Darren Rovell fan, correct? No, but I just saw Manziel. Yeah, I'm blocked by Rovell, so I don't. Can you tell me what Rovell said? Because I'm blocked by. Okay. So he says, SI covers seven years ago today. A-Rod, the last days of A-Rod and Johnny Manziel is the envy of college football, the college football world are the two ones. It says, um, today A-Rod is as relevant as ever. Manziel achieves a, uh, a flash of relevance by flipping off a, a building into a pool. And then Johnny Manziel retweets it and says, seven years later and you're still as big a bitch as ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love Johnny I, Manziel. I... <laughs> I, I saw can't. the Manzel. I saw the Manzel uh, reply. Rovell's got me blocked. Um, well, he he. So I didn't see that, but yeah, that's amazing. Hey, when we went to the Pro Bowl and the lady, the Pepsi lady was there, um, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I can get you an interview with this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy." And then she said, "You know, um, I'm, I'm good buddies with Darren Rovell." I mean, I obviously didn't tell her like, "Oh yeah, we're blocked by him," or "I'm blocked by." Him. I just kind of said, "Oh, that's awesome," you know, and just kind of left it alone, but. Uh, yeah, he's such an idiot. He's such a nerd and an idiot. Um, he is, I just um, uh, speaking of tweets coming across Adam Schefter, Giants quarterback cornerback Sam Beal officially opted out of the twenty twenty season eighteen seconds ago. So yeah, I mean, just more and more piling in every day. Again, I don't. You haven't had that big domino yet, right? Drew Brees hasn't said it. Russell Westbrook hasn't said it. You know, Lamar Jackson hasn't said it. You know, so and I don't think they will. But um, you know. A lot of, a lot of guys opting out. Yeah. It's, uh, definitely, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. I feel like there's new things every single day. Um, I, 
I think the NFL season happens. I don't know that I think that the NFL season and the college football season are as linked as you think that they are. Um, I think that they're I linked. They're, I, I think they're. At, I think they're linked with the MLB I, season, just not being in a bubble. I think there's a scenario where the NFL happens and college football doesn't. Um, I hope that that's not the case, but I do think that that's. And college is the more likely of the two to get canceled. Because for I sure. think more than anything, honestly, for college, it's it's the fear of being sued because players aren't paid in the NFL. You're choosing. It's the same exact thing as choosing to go to work at a grocery store or choosing to continue your job in a hospital or anywhere else. You know, the risk, this is your job. You can choose to go or you can choose to get a different job. And I think that's a little bit different than college athletics, even though I understand the argument that like you could just go be a regular student, but I think, I just think it's different. Um, the amateur status makes it way more complicated. And I think way more likely for universities to err on the side of caution than the NFL where it's like, okay, well, if these guys say they're ready to go and they want to play, then we're going to play. Yeah. The NFL gave the players a decision date to, to potentially opt out by, um, you know, and they can hold them to it because of, of pay and stuff like that. Like Thursday at four or something. I can see I think it's, it's tomorrow. Up. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's Thursday. So yeah. So, yeah. So I agree. I don't think they're as linked, but I think they're both kind of linked with the MLB. Like if the MLB cancels, the other two are in trouble. I mean, they just are. Um, the NBA is going to finish. The NHL is going to finish. Yeah. yeah. Say it again. I just I said I think MLB is run by morons, so that's part of it too. But I mean, the other two are as well. Just well, not the NHL's not in a bubble, right? And they're okay. Yeah, they are, aren't they? They're in they're well, in two host cities up in. Okay. Yeah, I guess that they're they're oh. bubble esque. They're not as as locked down as the NBA and MLS is. So um, I guess they're not freewheeling as the MLB in their strip club. Yeah, the MLB is just do whatever do whatever you want, man. Just try and take a shower before you come in. Um, the Rays struggled last week. I was so – I mean, this is classic 2020. Started so well. Um, started like 3-1, and 4-1 and one or something, and then they lost like five games in a row. So that was that was fun. They won their game yesterday against the Red Sox. The Red Sox are a good slump buster. So hopefully some of you Red Sox fans just get pissed that your team sucks more than mine. Um, the Lightning won their first game, and they're up 2 nothing right now on Boston. So are you familiar with how the NHL is doing this, this little play-in before the – Season before the playoffs, I, I, I sort of, I'm sort of aware of what's going on. So the top four teams are the records were reset, and they are playing in a round robin tournament, and right. for the top four seeds. Obviously, there's no home ice. There's, um, well, actually, in hockey, that's not true. When they do the second shift. Um, being able to be closer to the bench in the first and third periods is an advantage, but obviously there's no home ice. There's nothing like that. And it all kind of evens out over the uh, mm-hmm. course of the series or whatever. Another one more opt out Russell uh, Bodine for the lions um, brings it to 60 total NFL players. So about two a team um, is, is what we're at averaging out to be um, the lightning. So you play three teams, uh, the lightning, if they can hold on up 2-0 against the the Bruins, they'll uh, be in great shape to get that number one seed. If you're not in the top four seeds in each division, um, you're not worth my time to talk about because your team is trash. So Correct. let's just focus on the good teams. Um, and the Lakers are the first team to clinch um, the number one seed in in uh, the NBA 
uh, playoffs. All of their games now for the rest of the year until the playoffs start, I think they have five or six left, are meaningless. So hopefully they can just use those for chemistry, not playing all of their games, and being rested. Um, The Lakers and... Um, Lightning still have the best odds to win. Shout out, Craig. They're up to nothing right now, uh, end of the first. Yeah. Against, uh, so them. both of my teams still have the best chance, um, not the best chance, but the best odds to win the title. So I'm sure they'll go 0 2, but it's something I can hang my hat on now. I'm big on um, moral victories. So that's a moral victory that I'm going to. We got right now. Well, before we get out of here, did you see what Brett McMurphy tweeted earlier today? I honestly swear to God, can't even tell if I actually think this is real or if he's punking the rest of us about the new Big Ten rule. Um, for oh my goodness, see this? Yes. So the, the rule, the new rule is that whatever Big Ten team that in the game, whichever team has been most recently quarantined is going to get to choose if it receives the opening kickoff or defers to the second half instead of a coin flip. Now, here's my question to you. All these people have all these questions about protocol for college football. And like, so what happens if a guy tests positive? Do Does that whole team quarantine do we test negative and then only the guy that tested positive quarantines like we have all these unanswered questions right but we figured out what we're gonna do instead of a coin toss like is this is this real i mean that just seems absolutely ridiculous yeah like why would you why why they said like, that standings standings tiebreakers will be decided by the team with the more, most hospitalizations. Will oh, will be how they go. I mean, are they thinking like we should get rid of the coin toss because we should get rid of that opportunity of of people being so close together? Um, so I know what we'll do. And what if what if neither team had anybody quarantined recently? Like, so then what are you going back to like the beginning of the summer? Are you deciding if it, if they both quarantine on the same day? Do you go with the most number of people that quarantined or the less, least number of people that like what? WTF. Yeah, it seemed like a stupid way to do it. It seems like you could still just have a coin toss and just have a ref say, okay, you're the home team, your heads, you're the away team, your tails, flip. Yeah. Um, and and not maybe just have one representative a few feet away from each other, or I don't know. It's so stupid. It's like the guys that, you know It's so dumb. Yeah, they, you can't you can't shake hands, but you can't shake hands, but you're gonna like sweat on each other and try and tackle each other for 60 minutes a day. You know? Yeah. Well, um, so Louisville just announced that it suspended activities um, for four athletic teams, men and women's soccer, field hockey, and volleyball. Uh, after 29 te- or 29 positive COVID-19 tests were all linked to an off campus party between with the four athletic programs and the four athletic teams. <laughs> I'd like to um, increase my percent chance that uh football doesn't happen <laughs> um because college kids are gonna be college kids out of the bars of the parties when they have some huge win like sorry guys go home and celebrate in your apartment by yourself like that's not gonna happen yeah and i mean they're gonna go out on a random tuesday because it's tuesday you know not only after a big win so yeah i agree all your buddies are in town that you haven't seen in however long i mean yeah like it's I mean, college kids don't need a reason to 
party. It, right. it just happens regular basis but i don't think you can't tell these athletes oh hey by the way you you don't get paid also you don't get to enjoy any of the perks of being a college athlete on a college campus sorry i like that's just it's not a realistic expectation shoot tj are we not gonna have college football i don't know i go back and forth um but i am gonna cry this has been groundhog's day for the last five months it is not going to be okay if i don't get to have college sports in the fall either and that means we won't have spring sports because nobody can afford them it would suck if we lost basketball too yeah well think of the crossover of that too like we need by the end of october everything to be good for college basketball to happen and that's happening indoors without like, you're going to have your basketball players wear, wear masks. No. Um, I don't know, but I just, I mean, most of these programs need football to happen to be able to pay for their spring sports. There is just so many ramifications outside of just the college football season, not happening. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like there's a good chance that it doesn't happen, but we'll see. Maybe I feel like in the last hour, I've just kind of flip-flopped on this. I know. It's, I feel like I just talked myself into this not happening and I'm kind of pissed about it. I think I've got 80% the season starts, um, 50% it finishes. That's how I feel. I almost think that that's you being optimistic, which you're never optimistic. So, and I'm always optimistic. You should have met me, you should have met me um, back in like, Anywhere from like 2011 to 2016, 17, I was much, uh, I was a much more optimistic fan. Oh, that's um, yeah. Ripped out and stomped on them over and over again. Yeah. I kind of, I mean, yeah. Jimbo's last year and Taggart's two miserable years beat the optimism out of me. So, um, but yeah, no, I feel like 80%, maybe 75%. 75% it starts. Um, fifty percent it finishes, and maybe that's a little high. That's that's my seventy five fifty. Yeah, well, if it starts and I at least get something that that's that's something, I just, whew, I don't know. This is, this is stressful, and I don't even have a horse in the game. I need. I Florida has not sent me a check for my season tickets back, so thinking they think this happens. Are you going to a game if if it's open to you, or are you staying home? Uh, I'm going. Like if to you're, game. gotcha. I don't think you're yeah. going to any games. Just to let you know, I, but I, I don't think I don't think there will be fans at games this year, and I'm totally okay with that. But if I think college football, like I said before, is going to continually err on the side of caution, if they were to let fans be there, I think I would probably feel comfortable enough going. I we sent in our season ticket money. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, I hope that, um, they come out with you guys' schedule and you have Alabama week one and I hope we get Samford week one. And I hope that we finish our year one and oh, and you finish your year. Oh, and one, they cancel the year after the first week. Um, and we can claim a national championship like UCF. So that's, <laughs> that's it's, it's almost, it's almost, printing UF national championship shirts. This honestly is all Georgia's fault. I'm pretty sure because they know this is their, the year that Mullen beats them. It sets up really well for Florida to make a run. Oh, that just, uh, you just broke my heart because I just thought about how many receipts 
I have saved from all of these UF fans saying that this was the year. This um, is the year. And if that game gets canceled, I know. And I can't share all those receipts after they're wrong in Jacksonville. I would be, I'm going to be very upset. I guarantee you they move the game to Athens because if the whole concept of conference only games is so you can control every detail, 0% chance they let a game be in an area where a third party has control over everything. So that means that game gets moved to Athens because I'm 95% sure Georgia's the home team this year. But if that happens, that may mean that the year after that, it gets to go to Gainesville as a return the favor. And so that game may actually happen with fans in the stands, which I wouldn't hate. Yeah. I mean, either way I've got, I've got Georgia winning the the game this year if it happens. So we're going to be watching it together and it's Halloween. So how are we even doing Halloween this year? I don't know. I can't even wrap my head around that yet. I'm going to set up. I'm going to let my kids go to the people's doors, you know, stations up all over my house and we're going to trick or treat in all the different rooms or something. <laughs> Dance party and trick or treating all in the same. So totally with a football game going on, hopefully. Um All right, cool. Well, that's all I got. We'll try and do it again next week. Yep, if we don't we'll, get canceled uh, for asking for capitalism in the sports. <laughs> I'm not even asking for capitalism. I'm just stating what it is. And actually you stated it and I did, had never thought about that's it like that. That's what I'm saying. That. If I get canceled, then you know, yeah, for, for well, bringing it out. So, all right, cool. Culture. So you, we may, maybe we won't be back next week, but hopefully we will be, and I'm sure we'll have lots more things to talk about. All right, sounds good. I'll see you next week. Sounds good. what we do but there's more to us than that if you want to know who we are it's on the logos of our caps we're mountaineers we're volunteers we're the tide that rolls we're seminoles we're a herd along steer we drive Ford and Chevrolet 224 and 88 we crank up our music Friday night thousand country stations yeah we're one big country nation that's right we might fix your water pump or your ac bring your apple pie and fill your glass of tea Take that FedEx package to your door But underneath that apron or that uniform We're Wildcats Wolverines Tigers, Buckeyes, Bruins, Bulldogs, Hogs and Hurricanes We pray before we race Cheer 14 and 48 We drink ice cold beer on Friday nation that's right we're all across